Hello, I am sharing on the Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman today. Uh, I know I'm on a little earlier than I said I would be, but uh, plans have shifted later on in the day for me, and that's life, isn't it? Um, but anyway, Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Gary Chapman, um, certainly at the time, he was a marriage counsellor. He's actually now, I believe, senior minister in a church in Winston-Salem, which I find interesting. I find it interesting when people come from a faith-based background into uh, the self-development sphere. It doesn't matter what someone's faith is, it just interests me that, that, that that's, that's there and a significant part of them. So the story goes, he'd been a marriage counsellor for 30, 32 years or so, and people would come in to see him, and he would hear, start to hear some of the same kind of thing. Um, my husband, my wife, I feel they don't love me anymore. Um, uh, they don't listen to me, they don't see me, that kind of thing. And the other big thing he was hearing is that after a couple of years of marriage, that spark, that flame wasn't there. And so he, after, as I say, after a few decades, started to started to read through his old case notes and began to see certain themes that would appear. He, he uh, and, and he coined a phrase, a phrase, the emotional love tank, when the emotional love tank is, is empty and how to fill it. I actually came across uh, this book, <laughs> this book. I actually came across this. Um, a few years ago, uh, when Anna, my wife and I, when we, we went for counselling ourselves, because we're human beings, right? We're human beings, we've gone through our own stuff, and this book was recommended to us at the time. Since then, for myself, as a practitioner, um, several people every week come in, come in and will say something about their relationship, and, and, and I'll mention this book. It's a good book for um, helping helping oneself be heard, helping oneself see another person, finding energy where, um, where what one had been doing wasn't working, and so on. The essence of the five love languages, the essence of this book is about, I wanna say it's about choice, it's about empathy, it's about consideration. Yes, there are five things, and I'll get onto them in a minute, but it's very much about how you use them, and that's, that's what opens up and releases energy. So let me give you the classic uh, example analogy of uh, that, that this book opens up with. I'm going to change the, the, the uh, some of the the, the, the countries. Is, anyway, so let's say me as an English speaker. Let's say I go to Germany and I'm like, well, everyone speaks English, so I'll just go here and speak English. But of course, it's Germany. They speak German. And the logic would be like me getting upset because no one in Germany wants to speak English. I, no one understands what I'm saying, <laughs> even though I'm speaking English in a German-speaking country, and I can't understand what they're saying. The, the, the analogy here is that we each have our own ways, our own unique way of expressing love, giving love, and wanting it. And the, the real value of a book like this, a work like this, is getting across that it's not, it's not personal. We take it so very personally, but it's not person, personal. And if we can learn to understand and understand, understand, speak and identify our significant other's love language, then there's a whole universe of, 
possibility and opportunity available to us. So without further ado, what are the five love languages? Uh, as, as, he, as he puts them. First of all, there is uh, words of affirmation. And I will get into, I'll, I'll get into this in, in greater detail. There is words of affirmation. There is quality time. There is receiving gifts. There is acts of service. And lastly is physical touch. So that is words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, and acts of service and physical touch. I will, I will explain, I'll give you, I'll explain given my, uh, in, in relation to my own life, an example of a miscommunication there. So one of my, my, my main love languages is acts of service. Uh, one of Anna's is words of affirmation. So if I take something like, uh, for me, I, I, might, I might go and take the trash out or something, I might go and do that. Uh, <laughs> if I should go and do that in my head, I have, I have um, performed a service of love for the marriage, right? Uh, now, in Anna's head, because uh, words of affirmation are key for her, she doesn't rest, register that as an act of love, so to speak. So, for her, she would like to be spoken to in a certain way or something particular said, encouraging, kind, complimentary, and so on. Now, in my head, I've already performed the act of service for the marriage. Um, and in my head, well, why would I need to say something because I've already done this? Now, she might, she might then want to extend to me and say something complimentary, kind, encouraging, because, because that's, that's her language. And in my head, but in my head, I don't need to have something said to me. It's about, it's about an act. And so you see that there is, in, in both of those examples, there is, there is something being extended, but it's not being received and it's not personal. So to get a little bit more into depth about how each of the five work, how to communicate and what to avoid there, because this is one of those books where you kind of really have to get into the source material a bit. Um, with words of affirmation, um, words of affirmation, it's, it's about spoken word, even written word, writing cards or something like that. It's, it's having a cognizance of what the other person wants to hear. And let me be clear, this isn't about codependency. It's not about codependency. It's about self-reflection about someone else. And so we would be saying something encouraging, something complimentary, something that affirms them and their spirit. And if, someone, if, if words of affirmation are someone's key love language, then to say something unkind or harsh they will, they will take that even harder, okay? So that, that's important, that's important there. With quality time, it's really doing anything together. Anything together without, without interruption, uh, without interruption, We're going on walks, even doing errands together, sitting together, um, keeping eye contact, that sort of thing. Undivided attention, undivided attention. And so it's fairly obvious that if you've got your phone in one hand or, or you keep looking up and elsewhere and so on, that's going to break and diminish and undermine the um, love being received through quality time. So then there's receiving gifts, receiving gifts. And yes, that's <coughs> receiving a gift, giving a gift. Absolutely. 
but also, and this is where, this is where it gets interesting, giving of your time is a gift. Um, being helpful is a gift. Uh, exchanging chores is, is, um, is, a, uh, is a gift. It's not just reaching into your wallet, buying something and giving it. It's making something, it's creating something. It's a pleasant facial expression. Um, and I'm saying this because when I've spoken to people who are aware that their partners, one of their partner's love languages is receiving gifts, and I say, well, I don't have the money, I can't do it, I can't do it. And it's not about buying things that you can't afford to make someone happy. That's codependence. No, it's, a, it's, it's, it's an acknowledgement of what someone appreciates and anything that you can extend to meet that. And then there's acts of service. I've already touched on it. It's um, um, helping with, with chores around the house, being helpful. Um, it's asking as well, like... Uh, how, how can I help you today? What what uh, what would what would be what would be supportive to you? Um, and then there's physical touch. Physical touch. Now, it's you, you say physical touch, and and I'm saying this from experience. A lot of people's minds go straight to what well, it's sex, isn't it? And it's not. It's it's a gentle touch. It's a hug. It's sitting in sitting in tactile proximity. Uh, to one another, um, it's mostly non-verbal, isn't it? It's uh, again, it's 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 facial expressions, and I want to say, I want to say, uh, particularly to to the, to uh, any men that might watch this, that one of the greatest gifts we can give our partner, never mind the gender of the partner, one of the greatest gifts we can give our partner is to have tactile communication without initiating sexual sexual interaction okay he he talks in the book about men quite a bit obviously about and he he makes a point i don't completely agree with now he says that uh, a men's men a man's desire for sex or sexual uh, interaction uh, increases you know, every few days because of the um, the increase in in sperm count in the body, and I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. I think that's about half the uh, half the half the um, half the case there. I think the other half is because through the first and second centers, the root and the sacral chakra, we and that's everyone clears a lot of energy. A lot of energy can get stuck there, and in the male body, when energy gets stuck in the first and second centers. That feeling of, let's say, uh, arousal or desire for sexual connection increases. So I really feel it's both. And I'm saying this because, particularly for the men watching, that that's actually reasonably easy to move without going to some kind of sexual, um, without initiating sex or sexual interaction in some way. It's important, it's important. So, what gets missed with thinking about the five love languages. First of all, uh, I, I don't know, forgive me, I should have said this earlier. Uh, Gary Chapman says we have two. We have two primary ones, two primary ones, okay? But there's more to it than that. You may, if you, you may have heard as I was talking about that, as I was talking about the five love languages there, that there's an interaction between, there's an interplay between the two of them. So your time, quality time, he also quantifies as a giving of a gift. So 
I don't know that the best way to approach the five love languages is say, this is my first one and this is my second one. You know, coming back to this material as I am now, after a little while, I realized, gosh, I think my, my primary two have actually changed. And it's interesting to think that I think they've actually changed, they're different. But hey, I'm, I'm several years older now, aren't I? <laughs> so um, if you're gonna read this book, if you're gonna read this book, I know he says we have two primary ones, but I would really encourage you to think more broadly about that. And foundationally, that it is about, as he says, love is a choice. Um, these things don't just happen. And it is the free and self-directed choice to extend interest, attention to your partner. That's what will make something happen. If you're doing something if you're doing something just to make someone change, well, that will never work. If you're doing something because it feels like the right thing to do and you're inspired and motivated that way, then something probably will happen. If you're, if you're looking to, uh, just like if you're looking to create a habit, it won't, a habit won't get formed the first time. It won't get formed the second time. It gets formed out of, uh, out of self-directed repetition. And I would encourage you to follow um, these principles that way. All right, nearly there, nearly there. So how do you find, how do you know what your love language or primary love languages are? So he says that really you need to look at the things that you're wanting, the things that you're wanting, and the things that you complain that your partner doesn't give you. It's, it's pretty much both, uh, it's pretty much looking uh, both of those two ways. He does talk about what did you not get when you were a child, but I, I don't know that that so much ap uh, applies. I would be more inclined to look at what your current situation actually is, what you're wanting, what you're not getting, um, what, you're, what, you're, what, you're, what you're giving and frustrated that's not being received. That's the key indicators, I would say. I would say. It's worth mentioning as well that while, while this book, The Five Love Languages, is written for couples, he's written a lot of other books as well, as these authors do, to other, other groups and other ages. So there's a Five Love Languages for children, there's one for teens, there's one for parents, there's one for um, men, there's one for appreciation in the workplace. And so I thought I would just, just mention briefly Oh, there's one for single people as well. There's one for single people. So, uh, and I remember mentioning that to someone, I'd forgotten all about that. Single people, yes, it's not just about couples. So, with children, say for example, if a child's love language is not receiving gifts, then no amount of giving of something is going to, is going to connect with them. Um, I think it's important for us as parents, if we think about quality time, to not be on our phones when we're with our kids. And it's challenging sometimes and interruptions happen, but that those, those, those blocks of time where it's completely uninterrupted is, is massively important as well. Physical touch, I think, is important too, very important as well for children. I don't know why that is. I don't know why that is, but... Uh, I don't want to drift off into vagueness here either, but I know that that's important too. If you're watching this and you are not in a relationship, I would say there the, the five love languages 
can apply to oneself also. Let's take something like physical touch. It doesn't have to be physical touch. It can be a warm bath. Um, it can be a walk outside in the sunshine, something like that. Um, quality time is, is a quality time without interruptions, emails, phones, and so on. Giving yourself the gift of a good meal, um, gift of good company, and so on and so on and so on. Uh, it, 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 he's, I, like, I like Gary Chan, I like listening to him. I love his voice, love his accent. I love that he is really devoted to what he does. Yeah. Um, so really just to wrap this all up, it's, you know, like anything like this, that's not hard psychology, it's not without its critics. People say, well, there's not a lot of proof behind it. But you know what? If someone's been a professional for 30-ish years, they have something to say. There is something of value here. If you're going to apply this to your own relationship, don't just learn what your two love languages are and switch off there. That's where the work begins. It's not where it ends. I'm also cognizant that this is a work from the 90s. And if he had written it in, well, 92 he wrote it. If he wrote it in 1992, that means his, his body of work extends from the 60s. And our life these days is not like the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Life is moving a lot quicker now. We think a lot more laterally in a more, more parallel way. We know a lot more things. And so I'm not discounting it at all, but I would, I, that's why I'm saying I don't think we just have two primary love languages anymore. And also with, with the last um, couple of months of our lives, you might say we're on, I would say we're still, we're still on quarantine and shutdown. We're around each other a bit more. There's more factors coming into play as well, okay? Um, so he's one of those authors, I would say, look him up on YouTube, listen to his, uh, uh, um, enjoy how he speaks, uh, check out some of his other books. And I think that's really, really all I have to say. Um, Gary Chapman, The Five Love Languages. Oh, reflection in the window, the five love languages. Um, it, uh, check it out, enjoy, and I want to wish you a, uh, a very happy, a very happy Saturday, a very great weekend.